Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. Continue where we left off. We're in Yuvamas, 8th chapter, Adol, page 70, 71a. It says, in the second, page, second line, why does it say that past the lamb, Someone who's uncircumcised is not allowed to eat it. What's it come to exclude? But he's allowed to eat matzah mar. Why would I think he shouldn't be allowed? It's Take it home with you and enjoy it. He's obligated. Even though paste matzah is connected with the paschal lamb, you have to eat the paschal lamb together with the, with the matzah. Since he's exempt from eating matzah, maybe he should be exempt from eating matzah. He's exempt from paschal lamb. He's also exempt from eating matzah. He says, no. That is obligated to eat. He must eat the matzim. It's a little bit We have to write, the pay that to write, the uncircumcised not allowed to eat, the limit of the has to write, apostates are not allowed to eat, because a rahman if a tater would only tell me an adol is not allowed to eat, someone is uncircumcised, I would say him from the mud, because it's repugnant. Someone who is uncircumcised is repugnant. But in a strange person, the past it is not repugnant. Because would only tell me that in a strange person not because he's not loyal to heaven. Uncircumcised heart is loyal to heaven. He just for circumstantial reason he's not allowed to be circumcised. His older brothers died in circumcision. I would think that he should be allowed to eat a meloy, even though it's repugnant that he's, 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 uncircum- he's uncircumcised, versus the apostate is circumcised. But I would, I would think, but nevertheless, since his heart, look at the heart, look at the inside. His heart is Tashem As you look at the external, externally, he looks the part. The one who's apostate is perfectly circumcised, looks the part. Inside his heart is all rotten to the core. Okay, fine. But maybe he should be able to eat. Versus the uh, the uh, uncircumcised one, or vice versa. Don't look at the don't look at the external. Look at the inside. He's repugnant on the exter- on the outside, but inside his heart is okay. His heart is whole. Versus the apostate, even though externally he looks okay, but out inside he's completely rotten. Therefore, so therefore, I need both. Mother asked me, why does it say from it? From it. It says you shall not eat from it. Right, it is uh, so partially roasted or if it's raw. Right, it is a So he said, boy, he comes to teach me something. Exclude. So Mimenu also should come to teach me something. Exclusion. From it and not something else. What could that mean? Don't say anything. Don't say I can't help you. You know what it means to a fast to tell me I can't help you? It means there's nothing left. There's no hope in the world. So, so the mother says, it comes to teach us that Abba Rabbi Yitzchak. But Abba Rabbi Yitzchak said, what did Abba Rabbi Yitzchak teach me? Of course he can help him. That we're going to learn later on. That Mimenu comes to teach me. So the mother, what it comes to teach. Okay. Now we go back to the Brais of the Master said in the Brais, Rabbi Kiva says in Tzad, you don't need the Gzeda Shavar to learn that someone who's uncircumcised not a lot to eat Truma. It says, Ish, Ish, it says about Truma, Ish, Ish, it's an extra Ish, it comes to teach me that just like someone who's impure is not a lot to eat Truma, the Dabis is also someone who's uncircumcised not a lot to eat Truma. 
But it says Vehemel at Abbasayim. Maybe Ish comes to add that someone who's Oymel just had a loss, tragic loss, a death. An immediate family is not allowed to eat from so it comes to add that that only a zar is excluded, but not something else. I think your mother says, okay, so you have one verse that comes to add. Each is to add a prohibition. One verse that comes to say that you are allowed. It's not excluded. So I have two things in front of me. One is an oinim, there's a death, and one is, if he's uncircumcised, how do I know maybe the Pasuk Chalzad is coming to say that only a stranger is not al but an uncircumcised is allowed to. And the Pasuk Yishish is coming to teach me that someone who's an oinim is warning is not allowed to. Why, why did you choose that this is adding... That it's allowed, that someone who's in mourning is allowed to, had a death is allowed to eat. And the Pasuk uh, Ishi is coming to tell me that someone who's uncircumcised is not allowed to. How do I know? Maybe the exact opposite. Mother Mistabra, it's logical. Mistabra, they lose have a little boy. Why? Because, like we said, there's, in, in the case of. There's stringencies related to uncircumcised. Uncircumcised is lacking a positive act. He has to change something in his body to make him fit. Punish cutters. If you don't circumcise, he's punishable by cutters. And it was given even before the giving of the Torah. It's so powerful. And if your sons or your slaves are not circumcised, it, 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 you're not allowed to eat from the Paschal Lamb. So it makes sense that that's what the Torah is coming to exclude. That if you're uncircumcised, you're not allowed to eat eat uh, eat truma. Because it's much stricter. It has also three stringencies. It applies at all times. Circumcision doesn't. Once he's circumcised, it's done. I'm saying, but Aninas, Aninas happens any time. It can happen any time. And also men and women. Circumcision is only men. It's not in your hands. It's Hashem's hands. You can't even fix it. But in the case of circumcision, there's four stringencies. Here you only listed three. says, Even without the fact that the stringencies of uncircumcision, being uncircumcised is stricter than the stringencies of having a tragic death in the family, nevertheless, I would still logically say that when the Tate is coming to say that it's prohibited, is referring to uncircumcised and not aninus. Why? The Pasuk says, How do we learn this extra prohibition? Because it says, ish, ish. A man who's impure, but it says double ish, ish. He's coming to add, so he's coming to add something that's related to ish, only related to a man, not a woman. So that's circumcision. That's the coming to add the prohibition that a man who's uncircumcised not truma. And the other pasuk it says only the only exclusion is a stranger, but anyone who's not a stranger is allowed to eat. Is coming to add even in the state of aninus, even in the tragic death, allowed to eat Okay, Rabbi Kiva, I tell you, According to Rabbi Kiva, who says you don't need a code, you don't need. The code of Teshu B'Sachar to teach you from the Paschal Lamb, it doesn't like there, someone who's uncircumcised, it's also Truma. So, but it's an extra word, so why does it come to teach us? Teshu B'Sachar may have it like. say it's coming to exclude a Hebrew slave. Hebrew slave is obligated to bring a Paschal Lamb. A non Jewish slave, we already know a non Jew is not allowed to eat 
Someone's uncircumcised and is not a Jew, he's not healthy. So I'm Rabbi Shmaya. Shmaya says, Shmaya says, you know what the Pasuk is coming to teach me? Lasuya Arvi Mol, give any Mol. An Arab who is circumcised. Or a given night who is circumcised. So you can't, you wouldn't know from the exclusion he's excluded anyway, because uncircumcised. No, he is circumcised. And since he's a Yishma'eli, he has to be circumcised. And also the, the Gavnunim, sorry, Gavnuni, Gavnuni. Some say Gavnuni. Gavnuni means they were from the children of Keturah. So they have to be circumcised. And nevertheless, even though, because a Goyu doesn't have to be circumcised, even if he's circumcised, he's considered like uncircumcised. I already know that Torah says someone's uncircumcised, I'll take the Paschal Lamb. But even someone who's a descendant of Keturah, when Avram remarried and had sons and, and, and he had circumcised them, or Yishmael, an Arab has to be circumcised. It's the son of Yishmael. Avram was commanded to abrogate, to circumcise his family, including Yishmael and his descendants. So therefore, I would think so he's not included in the prohibition of someone who's uncircumcised and not allowed to eat from the Paschal Lamb. Therefore, the Torah has to tell me he's not allowed, since he's not Jewish, not allowed to eat from the Paschal Lamb. They're considered circumcised, but now we learned in the Mishnah. But now we learned in the Darim. Someone makes a vow. Whatever benefit that I derive from my daily well, that I'm not allowed to benefit from an oral from uncircumcised. So he's allowed to benefit from an uncircumcised Jew. But he's prohibited from benefiting from even a non-Jew circumcised. Because when he says uncircumcised and circumcised, he means a Jew, since a Jew has an obligation to be circumcised. So the whole circumcision is only applicable to a Jew. A non-Jew doesn't have an obligation to be circumcised, therefore, even if he's circumcised, it means nothing. It's just a cut, it's just a... So, he's, so when he says, I'm not going to benefit from anyone who's uncircumcised, it includes all Goyim, and it excludes all Jews, even if he's uncircumcised. He says, I'm not going to benefit from those who are circumcised. He's allowed to benefit from a circumcised non-Jew. Because even though he's circumcised, he's considered like non-circumcised. Also, badly is prohibited even from a Jew who's uncircumcised because he's considered circumcised. So it actually explains because when it comes to oaths, we follow the vernacular, what people have in mind. Jews, we call, we always refer to Jews as circumcised. Jews are a nation that have to circumcise. So even though the individual may be uncircumcised, he's part of a nation that's circumcised. Non-Jews, yeah, non-Jews we call, non-Jews we call uncircumcised, adelim. Even if they happen to be circumcised, we call them adelim. So when it comes to an oath, the question is, so, so Badrava gave a perfect answer. Because that's why the Torah has to teach me. So what's the Gemara asking then? What's the Gemara asking? That uh, why do I need the Pasuk? Why do I need a verse to exclude from the Paschal Lamb? A non-Jew who is circumcised. Of course I need a verse. Because he is circumcised. Biblically I can't call him not circumcised. Technically he's circumcised. I need a verse to tell me he's not allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. Even though he's a Toshav and a Sachid, he's a resident and he's a he's an immigrant and he's a he's a worker, he's a hired hand. So what are you asking me? But we see that a guy is considered uncircumcised. That's only the vernacular. 
So you have to say it's not just in the vernacular. We also find verses that all goyim are considered uncircumcised. And even in the language of the Bible, goyim are considered uncircumcised. So he says, even though we follow the language of people when it comes to an oath, it matters the vernacular, what people mean when they say circumcised or uncircumcised. Nevertheless, he brings the Mishnah there, brings a Pasuk, because, because you can bring up, you know, the people's language many times follows the biblical. You see, in the Torah, any, a guy is called uncircumcised. Whether they're physically or technically circumcised, it doesn't matter. They're uncircumcised. Their hearts are uncircumcised. So the body is just a symptom. So even when they're circumcised, they're uncircumcised. That those people don't wear, even when they're not wearing beards, they're wearing beards. Those people, even when they're wearing beards, they're not wearing beards. It's internal, right? But, so that's why he brings the Pasuk there. But you see, even biblically, it's not considered, they're considered uncircumcised. Ella, rather, so the Gemara answers, Lasuya Gershemovel, the Pasuk said, the extra, Rabbi Kiva would say the extra word of Teshav B'Sachir is coming to include a, non, a non-Jew, a convert, who circumcised but didn't yet go to the Mikvah. The Shemal, a child was born circumcised. So therefore, he's not excluded. He's not excluded from being uncircumcised. He is circumcised. But the sovereignty holds out of Lachman and Ambris. A Jewish child was born circumcised. He holds that you have to prick, you have to take a little blood. So that's what the Torah is telling me that if someone was uncircumcised, that that's what the Pasuk is coming to, coming, that even though he was born without any foreskin, so he can't do a circumcision, it's not possible. But keep a hold that you still have to take some blood. And before you take blood, he's considered, a, he's not a oral, but he's not a mole. That's what the Torah is saying. That the Torah is saying, he's not allowed to eat from, he's not allowed to eat from the Paschal Lamb. And so too, a convert, who you didn't yet fully go through the whole process, he's in the middle of the process, he just did the circumcision, but he didn't yet do the, the immersion in the mikveh. So, but you can't call him an adol. He's circumcised. It's not like a, a, an Arab or, or a Givenite. Because here, he circumcised to become a Jew. So you can't say he's like part of the... When the Pasuk says, when the, when the Torah, uh, people refer to someone who's uncircumcised, a goy. As an uncircumcised, he's no longer a guy. He's like in the process of becoming a Jew, so he wouldn't be excluded. I need a pasuk to, to exclude him. Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Lezer, says, "Teishav b'sachar, I need it for a coat." Exeter Shavu to teach me that an uncircumcised kohen is not the Where does he learn this from? Rabbi Lezer, the time he holds Gershom of Leitaver Ger Malyahu. Rabbi Lezer doesn't need a pasuk to teach me to exclude me. According to Rabbi Lezer, these two cases are not excluded from meeting the Paschal Angra. Rabbi Lezer holds a convert who circumcised and didn't yet immerse in the mikveh is considered a proper, a proper gay and he's allowed to eat. So you don't need, so he's not, he's not according to Rabbi Lezer, he's not exempt from meeting the Paschal Lamb. So on, a guy who circumcises and doesn't go to the mikveh 
He's allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. Because Savar, he also holds cotton, shkishen, nailed, mal, and tarlad men and abris. A child who is born uncircumcised without foreskin doesn't need anything. He's good to go. So therefore, he's allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. According to Rabbi what do you need Ishish? According to Rabbi Kiva, Ishish comes to add that someone who is uncircumcised is prohibited from eating the Turuma just like someone who is impure, a Kayin who is impure. But according to Rabbi Leza, you learn it from the code, from Ish, from, from Taisha Vesachir. You learn it from the Paschal Lamb. So what does Ish come to add? He holds the Tehidah, it's the language of man. It's just a poetic way. A man, a man. It doesn't come to teach us anything. Shem speaks in the language of man. Ish, ish. Now the Gemara continues. Uncircumcised infant, mouth is suche, beshemeshel truma. Allowed to anoint him with oil of truma. You said that an uncircumcised koyen is not allowed to eat from the truma. But are you allowed to smear the oil? Is smearing the same as eating? He's, he's less than eight days old. So he has no obligation yet to circumcise. So you're allowed to smear from it. We know that anointing is like drinking. On Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to drink, you're not allowed to anoint. Because it says in Psalm 109, it should be like water. And like oil into his bones. So the Torah, the, the Tanakh calls water drinking like anointing. Just like you're not allowed to eat or drink. An uncircumcised kind, you're not allowed to eat or drink drum or wine, let's say. Or so it would be prohibited to anoint. There's no question. The question is how about a child who's less than eight days old? He didn't even yet have a chance. He's not allowed to circumcise. Too soon, right? Yeah, so you can't call him uncircumcised because you call him uncircumcised. It's less than eight days old. That's his question. Why doesn't he ask to be allowed to feed him? <laughs> yeah, because a less than an eight-day-old child is not eating or drinking truma. <laughs> You're not giving him lechayim and truma wine. But the question is, you allowed to anoint him with it? The way Rabbeinu Tam holds that the, the whole prohibition of anointing in Yom Kippur is only rabbinic. It's just an asmatka. Okay, but even rabbinic, are you allowed to do it? So what answers? Oh, that's the question. Circumcised, not in its time. Before it becomes time to circumcise. Is, is it considered is like an uncircumcised person is, is, eating the, is using the truma? Or it doesn't prevent one because it, the time... The time didn't come yet. He can't call him an oral. As long as he can't circumcise, he can't yet call him an oral. Halachically, he doesn't have a definition of an oral. It's like a goy. A goy, even if you cut, that's one of the reasons why Avram Avinu did, didn't, didn't do the bris. Avram did the whole Torah. Why did he wait till Hashem commanded him at the age of 99? Avram was quick, swift. He should have done it on his own. When he was what? When he was younger. Why not? He took the whole Torah. Why didn't, why didn't he circumcise when he was younger? The answer is because it wouldn't mean anything. It's like, it's like cutting a piece of... A, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, slicing a piece of meat, a piece of beef. It doesn't mean anything. If there's no mitzvah, what makes it an udl? What makes it a problem that you have to get rid of foreskin? Foreskin is only a problem because Hashem commands you to get rid of it. If Hashem doesn't command you to get rid of it, it's just a piece of skin. It's meaningless. I'm just slicing a piece of skin. Right. It doesn't have an halachic definition. There's no problem. There's no problem cutting that. Yeah, there's no solution. So before eight days old, 
before eight days old, there's no halachic definition of an arul. He's not allowed to even circumcise. He can't circumcise. So, so, so therefore, even if he cuts, it doesn't mean anything. So therefore, maybe he's allowed to eat. He's not considered uncircumcised. I mean, he's allowed to, he's allowed to anoint him with the oil. That's the question that Rabbi Baruch asked. So Rabbi answered, Toshma, I'll bring you a proof. We learned in the Elimilas Chorov, it says in the Braise. That the that, that we know that if a person has a male child, when it comes time to offering the Pesach, if he's uncircumcised, the father is not allowed to offer the Paschal. If you have slaves at the times of eating, if you bought slaves at the time of eating, Pesach, and the slaves on circumcision, you're not allowed to eat, even though when you slaughtered the animal, when you slaughtered the Paschal army, he was allowed to slaughter, because all of his sons were circumcised, and then he bought a slave. And the slave was uncircumcised, he's not allowed to eat from the Paschal army. To say that, that night he can't eat from the Paschal army. What, where do we see this? Because the Tater says, he says, all your males have to be circumcised, and only then could you, could you do the carbon paste in the afternoon. So you're not, if you have a son who's not circumcised in the afternoon, you're not allowed to bring a carbon Pesach. But the Torah doesn't tell us what if, what if you had a circumcised son and then your wife, uh, no, no, that can't be. What's an example? The mother will say, how is it possible that you were allowed to bring a Paschal lamb, all your children were circumcised, and then all of a sudden it becomes a problem between the, the slaughtering of the Paschal lamb in the afternoon. And then at night, the Seder suddenly have an uncircumcised son. How is that possible? You can't say the wife gave birth. The wife gave birth. He's, he's, he, you have eight days. But what if he was, the mother will say, if he's very sick, if he's very sick, and he becomes very ill, then you have to count another seven complete days, 24 hours. From the moment he got well, you have to count seven, seven days. So, so the eighth day happened to fall out exactly in the after, after he brought the Paschal lamb. So he brought the Paschal lamb, there was no uncircumcised child. And then, he, and then when it came to eating the Paschal lamb, now he has an uncircumcised child. The question is, is he allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb? It doesn't say in the Torah. The Torah only speaks about if he had an uncircumcised child in the afternoon when it comes time to offer the Paschal lamb. And then when it comes to the slaves, the Torah says, you have to circumcise a Canaanite slave and only then he's allowed to eat from it. So the problem of having an uncircumcised slave, the Torah explicitly only tells me it's a problem regarding eating the Paschal lamb. The Torah doesn't tell me about am I allowed to slaughter Am I allowed to slaughter the Paschal lamb in the afternoon if I have an uncircumcised slave? How do we know that just like if I have a Canaanite slave who's uncircumcised, I'm not allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. So too if I have a son who's uncircumcised, I'm not allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. And how do I know that just like if I have a son who's uncircumcised, I'm not allowed to offer the Paschal lamb. If I have a Canaanite slave who's uncircumcised, I'm not allowed to offer the Paschal lamb. Nine litmus armors are bizarre. It says then, both cases it says then, so it's a code word. 
that whatever the Torah is saying about the Paschal Lamb, the offering, it also applies to the eating of the Paschal Lamb. And whatever the Torah spells out explicitly regarding the eating of the Paschal Lamb also applies regarding the offering of the Paschal Lamb. Okay, that's the price. Now, the Gemara clarifies, in the case of his Canaanite servants, it makes sense. You can have a scenario where you were allowed to offer the Paschal Lamb because you had no slaves there. But you're not allowed to eat because you bought a slave in between. When I offered the Paschal I didn't have a Canaanite slave. And then they went ahead and bought, after I offered the Paschal I went ahead and bought an uh, uncircumcised slave. Is that right? No, I bought him after I offered the Paschal I bought between the slaughtering of the Paschal and the eating of the Paschal I bought a Canaanite, uncircumcised Canaanite slave. Elizabeth how is it possible to find a scenario where your male son, the Ishnu B'Shazachil, that during the offering of the Paschal Lamb, he was circumcised? And all of a sudden, uh, between the offering of the Paschal Lamb and the eating of the Paschal Lamb, suddenly I have an uncircumcised son? How is that possible? You can't say my wife gave birth. He, that, he, he's not uncircumcised. So you have to say. The only possible scenario is that my wife gave birth. He gave birth in the afternoon. After I opened the Paschal Lamb, she gave birth. The Rambam was also born out of Pesach. So she gave birth in the afternoon after... Okay, so what do we see from here? We see clearly from here... Even though you're not allowed to circumcise him yet, he's only a, a few hours old. But the bottom line is, I have a son who's uncircumcised. So I'm not allowed to eat from the Paschal Lamb. This answers... This answers this answers Rav uh, Chama uh, Baruch's question that even before eight days you consider them circumcised and you're not allowed to bring the Paschal Lamb and you're not allowed to anoint him with the turmoil the mother says Rav says does it make sense to you what you're saying he says Titus says that first you have to circumcise your son and then you're allowed to slaughter the Pesach the Paschal Lamb. If you're saying the Torah is even referring to a son who was just born, you're going to tell me if a son was born in the morning or early afternoon before they offer the Paschal Lamb, the Torah is telling me I'm not allowed to offer the Paschal Lamb because he's, a, he's uncircumcised. The Torah says clearly, first circumcise him, first circumcise him and then go offer the Paschal Lamb. If he was just born, if he's less than eight days old, I'm not allowed to circumcise him. So surely the Torah is referring to an eight-day-old child. And so too, only an eight-day-old child uncircumcised prohibits me from eating the Paschal Lamb. So how is it possible then that he could be circumcised, all my sons are circumcised when it, by the offering, and yet when it comes to by the eating, by the time to the Seder eating, my son is uncircumcised. Allah what are we talking about? He became very ill. He had a fever, and then the fever left him. And then you have to count seven complete days from the hour he healed. Not the day. The hour has to be seven times 24 hours. And then you will, and let's say 5 p.m. in the afternoon, the seven days are up, and then right then and there you have to circumcise. The kid has to count seven days, and the end. Yes, 24 hours from when he was healed. So when you offered the Paschal Lamb, he was uncircumcised, and he couldn't be circumcised, and therefore it wasn't a problem. Therefore, you can offer the Paschal Lamb 24 7. 24 7. 24, 24 times 7. 
Yes. And then, in between the offering of the Paschal Lamb and the Seder, then he became obligated to be circumcised. So if he's uncircumcised, he's not allowed to eat the common pizza. So this also answers the question. So we see clearly... Oh, then we give him seven days to recuperate. Fever left him 5 p.m. Seven days before Pesach. So you have to start counting from 5 p.m. It has to be 24 hours. 5 p.m., an hour before Pesach, that's when you're allowed to circumcise it. Not a minute before. If you give him seven days, so he should have done it in the morning. See what it says, and we need. We continue on side B, being in Maisless. It has to be 24 hours. Exactly. The day he gets recovered is like the day he was born. The day he was born, doesn't matter when he's born. He was born a minute before sunset. He, he, you can circumcise the eighth day in the morning, even though it's not, it's not the, it's not twenty-four seven, time seven. My love, It means just like the day is born, you don't need to count twenty-four hours from when he was born. No, it's not true. The day of recovery is superior. We're, we're more stringent than the day he was born. You don't need 24 hours. Even a minute in a day is counted like a whole day. But if, if he was in danger, child was in danger, you don't play games. Jews don't play games with health. Child was in danger, we're going to count seven full days, 24 times seven. And only then he allowed us, oh, just teaching me what he means, that it's like the day he's born means that you don't... Oh, he's healed, so let me circumcise him today. No, 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 no. Like he's born, we're going to count seven, but it has to be seven complete days. That Papa, that Papa gives a different, a different explanation. Maybe it was his eighth day, but his eyes hurt. On the morning of the 14th, maybe it was yellow. Or whatever his eyes hurt, his in the between, between offering the Paschal lamb and the Seder in the afternoon, suddenly he was healed. Then you don't have to wait. It's only if he's fully fever, if he's fully sick, totally sick. Only then do you have to wait till he heals and then count seven days. But if he just had, if he's a little yellow or, or if he's a, his eyes hurt, then as soon as he's healed, you can circumcise him right away. Rav Amr, Rav gives a different scenario. His parents were in prison. And therefore, they couldn't circumcise him. Circumcise him, they were allowed to offer a Paschal lamb. It doesn't disqualify them because externally the hands were tied. It's not they didn't want to circumcise him. They couldn't. The Torah doesn't disqualify them. And then they were released in the afternoon after their Pesach was slaughtered. But they sent someone to offer the, the Pesach for them. So then they circumcise him and then they're allowed to eat Paschal lamb. Have cannibalized a chemiomer, a different scenario. Let's say he was born with a with a covering. No, with the the genitalia was recessed in the body, was covered, and we didn't know if it's a boy or a girl, a male or female. And then it was torn open and was discovered it was a boy. So again, it does not disqualify. that you don't circumcise, it doesn't disqualify the father from offering the paschal lamb. Even though it's possible it's a male. You're not obligated. The Torah doesn't obligate you to tear the flesh to make an operation 
and to circumcise the child. The Rajba says you are obligated. But nevertheless, since you need a specialist, maybe there was no specialist available. Like I said earlier, the parents weren't in prison. Technically, they just couldn't. So therefore, that's not considered a disqualification. The fetus stuck his head out of the mother on the afternoon of the of the end of Pesach, but didn't emerge completely. No, on the seventh day of this, but didn't emerge completely until seven days later in the afternoon of the fourteenth. Even though we follow the head, and since the head came out on the seventh of this. So the eighth day, which is the fourteenth of Nisan, he's obligated to be circumcised. It is the eighth day, but technically he can't because the body didn't emerge. The member didn't emerge. He can't, and then it emerged in the mother's stomach on the fourteenth after he opened the Paschal lamb, and it's the eighth day of circumcision. Therefore, if he doesn't circumcise, he's not allowed to eat from the Paschal lamb. <laughs> Can such a child live with the head stuck out and remaining in the mother's womb for seven days? Once the child emerges from the womb, that part which was closed, the mouth which was in the mother's womb was closed, otherwise he would drown in the fluid. Oh! And that which was open, the navel closes. Shemoli came. Shemoli came. not so. He couldn't live even for a moment. As soon as the child is born, the navel closes. So he's not nourished through the navel. How could he survive seven days in the mother's stomach without? If the navel is closed, how could he survive starving to death without starving to death? And this is the miracle of childbirth, one of the most astonishing miracles of childbirth. And here the child was like an amphibian, like a, like a fish. And in one split second, the moment of birth, it makes a transition into a mammal. Where he breathes and eats. And in those few cases where it doesn't happen, it's, 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 the child is in danger. So this is one of the greatest miracles. So since the navel is closed, and without nursing, how could the child be sustained? What does he mean even for a moment, literally for a moment? First, he can mean he can't, I mean for an extended period of time, he can't be sustained. Or it means literally for a moment, if the mouth wouldn't open up without breathing, he would die right away. Or if the navel remained open, it would destroy his insides. But anyway, in this case, how is it possible to survive seven days? A fever sustained the child. A fever sustained the child. It says, 
The mother says that a fever can sustain a sick person for six, even twelve days, without any food or drink. Because when a person is in fever, he reduces the appetite. And the body consumes the fat and the nutrients. As a matter of fact, it's when you lose your appetite, the body is telling you it needs a break from eating. And then it feeds off its own excess fat. You must say, the man who's fever. And you need another seven days to recuperate. So you can't be circumcised on the day of Erev Pesach when he comes up. Rather, it means the fever of the mother. He himself had no fever. So therefore, the moment he comes out on the eighth day, the day before Pesach, he's obligated to circumcise. He's circumcised. But the fever of the mother sustained the way same if you want to say that these words a person cannot survive eight days without eating apply only when the child does not cry out. The child cries, cries out. He could live. Even even with even eight days without eating, he cries. The crying itself generates heat, and that's what nourishes it. But since the heat is coming from his crying, not from a fever, he's not sick, so he's fit for circumcision. But how did he survive because of his crying? Therefore, the body can't bring any raya from this braise. I can interpret the braise that an uncircumcised child does is considered uncircumcised and the father is not allowed to the child is born after he brings the past the lamb and therefore it stops the father from eating the current Pesach or I can learn like all these explanations that no, we're talking about an uncircumcised child is not and therefore you're allowed to anoint <coughs> the baby who's less than eight days old <coughs> with turma oil and um, and the prohibition only begins on the eighth day and the way it's possible in the morning he was uncircumcised it wasn't a problem we have to circumcise all these different scenarios <laughs> I'm circumcised, you can sprinkle the mechatas to purify someone from a corpse tomb. Because we find that for Father they received the sprinkling of the chatas even when they were uncircumcised. They crossed the Jordan River, going into Eretz Yisrael, they entered Eretz Yisrael on the 10th day of Nisan. This is the day that Nelson Miriam and the passed away. And that's the day which was the original on uh, Shabbos, the original miracle of Marcus Bukhari. On the 10th day, they were not circumcised because they were exhausted from the journey. You're not allowed to circumcise someone who's exhausted to endanger their life. When did they sprinkle to purify them from the corpse tumor in the wilderness? They contracted the tumor while they traveled in the wilderness because that whole generation died out. Who buried them? The generation that entered the promised land? 
So the younger generation had to purify themselves with the purification of the mechatos. When could they do the sprinkling? Surely it had to be done while they were uncircumcised. Maybe if you're uncircumcised, you can't sprinkle. And and they weren't ready for Pesach. They were level of Pesach cloud. They couldn't do the carbon Pesach. Was if you say the sprinkling has to be on the third day and the seventh day. So if they receive the first sprinkling on the tenth day of Nisan, which is the third day, since they came in contact with death, probably more since they left the desert, whatever. And it was since they came in contact with death, and then the seventh day was on the 14th and then they were able to offer the Paschal lot and maybe they didn't maybe someone's uncertain size is not allowed to and therefore they couldn't do it on the 10th day they couldn't do it on the 10th day it's too late there's no way they can be purified by the by the 14th it doesn't enter our mind to even say that see it says in the process clearly they did perform the Pesach on the 14th of that month it's an open Pesach the question wasn't that they didn't that's clearly in the puzzle he means those maybe there were some some, those who were circumcised those who were previously circumcised those who were older they were under the age of 20 when they when they left Egypt and when this when the sin of the spies therefore there was no decree that they should die so they were circumcised before they left Egypt in order to eat the Paschal on the first Paschal and they entered Israel and they were already uh, six, uh, 80 years old we're close to 80 under 80 in the 70s Therefore, they were circumcised, and maybe they were the ones who offered the Paschal. So the Gemara says, no, it says the children of Israel, meaning the majority of Jews, the majority of Jews were uncircumcised. They were all the younger ones who were uncircumcised. Maybe it was Pesach, it was brought in a state of impurity. You're right, no one could no one could sprinkle, they were all uncircumcised. So they were all in a state of impurity, and if the majority of the Jews are in a state of impurity, you can bring the Paschal lamb even in a state of impurity. They circumcised, they immersed in the mikvah, they did the first Paschal lamb in the land of Israel, they did it in the state of purity. The mitzvah of uncovering the circumcision was not giving to Avram. Avram only had the mitzvah of circumcising the foreskin. The foreskin that covers the male members, you have a thick skin on top and a thin membrane underneath. The mitzvah of circumcision is two parts. Mila, you cut the foreskin, and that removes the thick upper skin, but it still leaves a thin membrane which is attached to the member. And then you have pradiya, which means to uncover the circumcision, exposing the member by removing the thin member. How do you do this? You split the thin membrane with your nails and pulling it back until the corona is exposed. So today, if you just do a bris without pada, without 
exposing the corona without removing the thin membrane. It's as if you haven't circumcised. But in the Torah, when Hashem told Avram to circumcise, He just told him to cut the foreskin. He doesn't mention anything about removing the member. Shnemer, it says in the Pasuk Beisei, That time Hashem told, Yeshua, make for yourself sharp knives, sharp swords, sharp knives, and circumcise the Jewish people a second time. Hashem was saying that even those who were circumcised circumcised a second time because they were only circumcised from the thick member but it's not enough you also have to circumcise the thin member second time maybe he was referring to those who were not circumcised at all those who left Egypt were all circumcised but those who were born in the desert were not were not circumcised but it says in Cain, if that's the case, my shuv, why does, it, why does it say again? What do you mean a second time? For them, it's the first time. El Pri is coming to teach me that you need twice. You have to circumcise, and then again, even those who are circumcised, you have to, again, you have to reveal the thin membrane, cut off the thin membrane. Taisvis points out that Avram Avinu, even though even he kept the whole Torah even before it was given, so even though he was only commanded to cut the thick membrane, the bottom line is he also removed the, uh, the thin membrane as well. Then Taisvis asked, how could Yeshua create something? The Torah is no new Torah. Yeshua is telling him a new mitzvah. He says, no, it's Allah He's just He just found the Pasuk to, to, to lean it on. Others say that this is the oral Torah that was transmitted to Moshe. It was transmitted to Moshe. But maybe it was transmitted to Moshe when they were on the other side of the Jordan River, the end of the 40 years. Or when Hashem transmitted it to Moshe, He told him that it's only going to take effect when the Yidin enter into the Promised Land. So what do you mean a second time? He said, true. What Shane is coming to teach me? Again, a second time. What do you mean again and a second time? The mother says, like, Kushi, safe meal until this meal. It's coming to equate the end of circumcision and the beginning of circumcision. It's just like if you don't circumcise. It's not valid. Also the end, removing the thin membrane is also, it's a deal breaker. Without that, you're not considered circumcised. So if the majority of the thick skin is not cut off, the circumcision is not valid, so too. So if you, if you cut off a majority of the thin membrane, if you cut off a part of the thin membrane, but a majority, but some strands remain, if you, and it covers part of the corona, he says, it also it's, it's a deal break. That's what he calls the end of circumcision. That's what the Pasuk says. Again and a second time. Again, a second time. Now we learn in the Mishnah, in Tractate Chabbos, these are the shreds that, that, are, that invalidate the circumcision. Flesh covers a larger part of the corona. It's still covered. 
If you leave such shreds, you're not allowed to eat trumma because you're uncircumcised. You learn you're uncircumcised, not allowed to eat trumma. Amar is the one who said the name of Rav. Basra Chayfas Rav means that flesh of the foreskin that covers the larger part of the height of the Quran doesn't mean if, it, if it's covered if it covers a majority of the circumference of the corona he means even if it covers a narrow part of the circumference but if it covers a majority of the height of the corona then it's invalid why didn't the Jews circumcise in the desert it's a mitzvah such an important mitzvah they were exhausted by the journey even though there were times one place the Jews were there for like 19 years but they didn't know when in any moment they had to be ready to move the north wind did not blow there there was no wind the north wind is mild it's not too hot and not too cold and it disperses the clouds, allowing the sun to shine through and to heal. Since there was no northern wind, my time, the says, why not? Why talk it not? Why did Hashem make such a miracle? They were rebuked by Hashem. Hashem didn't speak to them from this time of the sin of the spies and the golden calf. So they would, didn't deserve to see the light of the sunlight. It was a symptom. Since they didn't deserve, they didn't see Hashem, spiritual sunlight, they, 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 didn't, they didn't see the physical sunlight. Or actually said, because, or because of the sin of the spies. If you want, they didn't blow and shouldn't disperse the clouds of glory which surrounded them and protected them. You shouldn't circumcise in a cloudy day or in a day of severe south winds, which is very harsh. South winds are very harsh. So, be... so if it's such a cold day, a harsh cold day, it's not, it's not favorable, it's not a good time to circumcise. You don't bloodlet on that day. Even the Dashboard happened today, people do it anyway. Come come and practice the circumcises and let blood on these days. Shame of Sayyam Hashem. Let it go. Hashem protects the fools and the simple ones, even though it's dangerous. But since we're oblivious and blissfully ignorant, Hashem will protect us. Like today, there's so many dangers and risks, we're oblivious to it. So Hashem will protect us. Everyone have a wonderful day.